Hello and welcome back to the Three Things Podcast. John Mitchell here, back to you with Three Things. I was just thinking, I listen to podcasts, a lot of people start calling their audience like by a specific name or, or something I just heard recently. One of one of our listeners says that maybe we sh- I should start calling you Thingers for the Three Things Podcast, and I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> so I don't know what I should call you, um, but I can tell you I'm thankful you're listening, and um, I don't think I need to call you anything. I'm just thankful you're out there. Um, just saw in my analytics last week that we have somebody listening from Vietnam, at least a couple people, I think, um, out um, in the Philippines. Um, and, man, I don't even know what to do with that in my head. Like I, I am so humbled that you'd be listening. I'm amazed that you have, um, have you, you've tuned in. And if you're listening, no matter where you're listening, no matter what stage of life you're in or what brought you here, man, I'm glad you're here. And I certainly hope that you find something useful out of this. Um, especially, you know, today it's a, it's a strange topic and, um, a strange time of year here in America. Um, we do this every year, um, on this side of the world, and I know that other places in the world celebrate in different ways towards the end of the year when it comes to the holidays, whether you're celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah, um, I mean, I, whatever you're celebrating, there's lots of things being celebrated this time of year. And um, it seems like there is this common human uh, behavior at this time of year, I guess, this common um, posture that we all have. It's It's time for the end of the year work schedules change most of us um the emails become less persistent um people become patient with tasks that aren't being done and we all just sort of take a collective deep breath no matter what you believe and no matter what you celebrate and i love that part of it for sure but with it comes this increasingly gross um and in we all agree, I think. You're going to hear a statistic in a minute that I think will surprise you, and then you'll you'll realize, no, I think I I think I believe that, um, because there's this sense at the end of the year where we just go, you know what? It's nice to be with family. What is this cloud of like um, marketing and? This cloud of just material things that seem to permeate what could be the best time of the year. Um, here's the st- st- statistic I was talking about. Recently, SunTrust um, Bank did a poll. I think this was last year, 2017. They did this poll, and they <laughs> they were blown away. 69% of Americans would skip exchanging gifts if their family and friends agreed to it. 69. Seven out of ten Americans would choose gladly to stop exchanging gifts if their family and friends said that that they agreed. It, It blows me away. But yet every year we seem to increase our purchases. We seem to go into further debt. We seem to buy into making the lines longer in front of Walmart to get $150 off a television that won't work in two years. I I don't know. We all have, or most of us anyway, have fallen into this this path of um, material need that what's interesting is if we stop to talk about it for a minute, we might take a different path. 
So if 69% of Americans would skip exchanging gifts if their family and free friends agreed to it, you know what that means? It means 7 out of 10 Americans feel something they haven't talked to their family and friends about. Because if they got all in the same room and everybody said, hey, what are we doing? They'd come up with a better plan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So what I'd like to do is start a conversation. I'd like to use the podcast today to start a conversation with your family and friends who, according to this poll, are sitting wondering why they're spending this money. What are we doing here? How could we retain the joy, the hope, the peace, the fun, the end of the year excitement and energy that comes with the holidays and start to move in the right direction in terms of the anxiety and the debt and the sheer junk that we pour into our lives this time of year. Obviously, you can tell I have a posture towards this thing, that I have some, that some baggage with this that, that just is in my own life. It's something I deal with. And two kids that I love who have friends at school who whose parents and, and, and loved ones are dealing with the same kinds of questions. And so today what I'd like to do is use the three things to expose three what I consider to be lies. I know that sounds pessimistic, but I, I don't think it is. I think I just would like to expose these things. Probably nothing that is new to you or nothing that is a surprise to you, but maybe we could start to talk about this thing. And maybe we could slowly turn it into a new direction. It's amazing to me. when, when Before I knew that 70, 7 out of a 10 of Americans believe this, it, it's almost as though you start to feel like um, like it's hopeless. Like we're just this big ball of momentum going the wrong direction. But man, when you hear that kind of a number, you realize that the issue is probably not just the morality of the culture or, um, or, or zombies buying into marketing, but that it's just about conversation. It's just about stopping for a minute, pausing, and making a choice based on rational thought and conversation. So that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to expose these three lies. I'd love for you to, I mean, you do what you want to do with this thing, but I'd love for you to at very least take that six out, seven out of 10, 69% of Americans statistic and take it back to your wife, take it back to your family, take it back to your kids and say, guys, what are we doing? Like, what could we do to retain the things that we love and move towards less anxiety, less debt, less stuff? So the first lie I want to talk about, man, especially on this side of the world, um, of course I, I say that because of where I live, but it feels like America is the king of this. That the, This first lie is that maybe this year I'll get the thing I've been looking for. You know what I mean? I mean, this started for me with like G.I. Joe guys when I was a kid. The first thing I really remember wanting badly was the G.I. Joe Cobra Commander um, Command Center. When I was a kid, um, if you're younger than me, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about, but it was just action figures. And when I think back on it, I think about how badly I wanted it. And what I wanted was, yeah, I wanted the function. I wanted the commercial. I wanted to feel like the kid in the commercial and I thought it was cool, but there was something deeper going on there. Even at that age, it was like my friends had it and I couldn't wait to go to school and tell them I had it. You know what I mean? And so it, it was this it was this one thing that I felt like I had all I had been looking for as a eight year old, ten year old boy. And it really wasn't about the G.I. Joe guys. It was about my self esteem. 
It was about feeling different in front of my friends. Now, I, I want to I share some things with you today that you won't be surprised about by this time, but I always feel like I have to not apologize, but explain. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Jesus Christ today um, and some of the things that he said. I, I do this almost every podcast, um, but I want to tell you why. And it may be different reason than you are listening or that, that you talk about Jesus. And, and the reason is because I have started trying to actually live um, with some of his principles in mind. And no matter what you believe about who he was, what, uh, whether or not he was divine, any of that, you don't have to believe he was divine to try this stuff. Because what begins to happen is you get this perspective on your life and whatever that leads you to is between you and whoever. But the truth is, man, this stuff is philosophically different. This conversation is profound, and it hits me in a really deep way. So keep your mind open, whether you believe this stuff or whether you believe who Jesus says he was or not. Um, the, the ideas, and especially around the concept of plenty, the ideas that he has are profound and life-changing in and of themselves. Um, he was standing on a hill one time. This happened to him a lot where a whole big group of people would gather around him and they would want him to speak to them all at one time. And if you think about it now, you think, oh, well, it's a concert or it's a, you know, it's a keynote event. Well, the, the problem is we've taken for granted sound systems and air conditioning and all of the things that come with our modern venues. But Jesus had no way to communicate with these people in a, in a big group. So he had to do some really smart things. And I think his, those who were closest to him that were sort of his entourage and his best friends probably had a lot to do with this, but they would find places that were acoustically that just made sense. And a hill was one of those places, great big hills where people could gather around. Jesus could stand on top and usually around water because water was reflective of the, of Jesus's voice and people could hear better. So you see him getting out on a boat sometimes and going out into the water and people gathering around the shore. You see him getting up on mountains. And at this point, he was up on like this big hill. And the hill just, I mean, picture just a sea of people. And, and I think it's less, um, less Sunday school feeling than we often have pictured this. Because probably what happened is Jesus stood on the hill, a lot of people gathered around him, and then probably people had to play the old telephone game and say, what did he say? Well, he said this. And, and so there's, it was a little less easy than probably we picture it. And he stood on this hill, and he talked to a group of people who have the same problem that we do now. I mean, this isn't a new problem of feeling like um, I still can't find the thing I'm looking for, you know? And so Jesus talks to these this group of people, and these are a wide group of people. I mean, no. usually when, when there are groups of people gathered, they were groups of like-minded people or people who were religious in a certain way or people who had the same skin color or the same financial situation or the same demographics in some way. Jesus had this... Um, amazing ability to draw people of all shades, of all colors, of all nationalities, of all belief systems, of all demographics. And this is actually what, what made the religious leaders, the people who were in charge at the time, this is what made them so scared because Jesus had the ability to, to mobilize a crowd in a really quick way. Because the things he said, whether, and mind you, most of the people who followed Jesus didn't believe that he was the son of God. 
most of the people followed Jesus because they could not get over the kinds of profound thoughts and life-changing concepts that he was delivering. Oh yeah, by the way, he might also feed people who were hungry. And he might also heal people who had no other way of being healed. And so there was a good show for a lot of them. There was food involved for a lot of them. But for a lot of them also was this concept that I, I hear this man speak as though I've never heard anybody speak in my life. And when he spoke to this group of people, he says this. He says, if you would do something different when it comes to the stuff in your life, it will change the way you feel about your life. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. Man, this would have paused a good group of the audience. Jesus is referring, the way he uses this metaphor, he's referring to the marketplace. And whether you had money to spend in the marketplace or whether you walked through the marketplace and sort of wish you had money to spend, um, what anyone in that, that hill would have understood what Jesus was saying. If you went to go buy some grain, you would buy grain based on a, 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 a measurement that usually was done with a bowl or a cup. And if you were, you know, if you went up to a, 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 some, a farmer who had grain to sell and you were going to buy a cup of his grain, um, he would have a price based on that cup and you would pay him and then he would scoop the cup into the grain and if he was cheap if he was trying to kind of skimp you he would kind of just loosely get that cup through the grain and it may not be full and he might just quickly put it into a bag or into another uh, receptacle for you to take it home but the, anybody listen to this would have known that there were some people there were some people in the market who could be trusted a little bit differently. There were some in the market that were different. And when you went to their booth, when you bought their grain, they would be careful that you would see the cup as they dipped it into the grain. And they would take their hand and they would press the grain into the cup. It's almost they, like they had a special interest in you getting as much as you could get. And they would maybe reach their hand in and scoop some more out and put some more on until the grain was flowing over the cup. Jesus would have talked like this quietly, as quiet as he could on a hill where people had to hear. And the word would have gotten around slowly. And Jesus says, I, I want to paint a picture for you. That if you would trust that life is not about trying to fill the void that you think you have. But it's about taking what you already have and finding ways to give it. Then what you will feel, you will feel as though the one who gives you these things, he's always talking about the divine, the one who gives you these things is like the good person at the market who just can't help but have your best interest at heart. It's like the good guy at the market who presses down this stuff, shakes it together and runs over and then pours it into your lap with joy. See, what, what Jesus said was that concept of plenty 
is not just about you feeling like you have enough. It's about you feeling as though someone owes you something that you never got. It's about you having a posture towards the divine, towards the, the one who created all of this, as though that they're holding back. And Jesus says, if you trust and you just give, what it will do is it will, it will create the sense in you that you have more than you could have imagined. And Jesus says, for the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It was clear to his audience the way Jesus was talking that he wasn't specifically talking about stuff. That he was talking about your posture, the way that you give, the way that you see the world, the way you see your stuff, and the way you have open hands with the things that come in and out of your life. The way you do that, you begin to create a, um, a belief in your family and in your life and in, in your own heart and your own mind about the nature of what is given to you and about the nature of the one who gives. Jesus would say that when you go into the marketplace, God or the divine is like the good farmer who can't wait to give you more than you paid for, more than you deserve. So when it comes to the holidays, when it comes to this time of year, man, if you could take a posture, I mean, as, as practical as I can be with this, if you could take a posture of what could I give this year? And I don't mean wrapped up under the Christmas tree. I mean, people that don't deserve it. Maybe people you don't love. (laughs) Maybe people that you ignore as you walk as you drive by them with cardboard signs. You know your Salvation Army in your town. They need help every Thanksgiving. They need help every Christmas. You know there are churches in your town, there are nonprofit organizations in your town that are feeding people on Christmas. What if this year you just chose to give? And I don't mean just financially, I mean like time. Because for a lot of us, that's more worth more than our money, especially around the holidays. What if you told your kids this year? What if you told your family? What if you told your spouse? What if you told your friends? Guys, here's what I want to do this year. I want to take a portion of the time that we spend together, and I want to go do something. Yeah, do something for who? I don't care. <laughs> it's not the point. I mean, maybe I do care. Maybe there's something, somebody in some situation, and and maybe I do want to have that passion. But uh, truthfully, the idea is if you can have a posture that you will give away something for no reason, it sets you in a different mind. It sets you in a different posture to realize that the thing, that the divine, that that God has, is at his heart good. So the first lie is that um, this year I'm going to get the thing I'm looking for. (laughs) It never happens, but it could. You know what you're looking for? You're looking for joy, running over, shaken together, pressed down. You're looking for perspective, looking for peace. And Jesus says, just try this. 
just try to have a posture of giving. And I don't mean giving giving is better than receiving. I don't I don't mean that. I mean find a way to get outside of yourself, get outside of your family and for no reason ridiculously give. It's what you're looking for. The second lie is he who dies with the most most toys wins. You know, you've seen this on bumper stickers for a long time. He who dies with the most toys wins. We have this concept in America that... Um, <laughs> I just had this thought. I just had this thought when I lived in the neighborhood of what people would do on Saturday mornings. Um, and I fell into this trap too. So I'm laughing at myself. But you know what we did? <laughs> Maybe they do it in your neighborhood. Every Saturday morning, especially it was nice outside, we keep our garages pristine clean. Go wash our cars and pull it in there. Maybe sometimes pull it out of the garage a little bit. And then we would pretend that we forgot to close the garage door. But our mower would be in there and all of our tools lined up perfectly. All of our stuff sort of piled in a really clean, neat pile so that anyone who came by could see, that guy must be successful. Right, that guy must be happy. That guy must be good at what he does. Right, and, and man, we did this, and I, I, I think I fell into this trap too. I know I did. Oops, I left my garage door open so you could see my brand new mower, or so you could see the leaf blower that I got that you know was nicer than yours. This is the trap that we fall into, and at Christmas, it's it's not any better. And you know what happens is families get into this, and parents get into this, and they start to buy things for their kids to measure up. So that when their kids go to the, the, their friend's house for a sleepover, that their parents will see, oh, those shoes were expensive and their parents must be doing well. It's this trap that we go into that we never, some of us never step away from. It's funny. This concept started a long time ago. It's long before America, long before our marketing, long before uh, Friday, Black Friday sales. That people, be, that people would think that their joy would come from their stuff. One day, a man who was known for his stuff, probably a guy who left his garage open on Saturdays. In fact, people knew him as the rich young guy. Um, and they called him a ruler because he seemed to be in charge of everybody, everything. Um, he was probably was in charge of more than one or two things. He came to Jesus, and it would have surprised everyone. Um, Jesus never had a problem with like star being starstruck. This guy was probably a local celebrity. Came to Jesus, and he said, um, "Good teacher, what do I have to do to to get this thing you're talking about to be saved, or to whatever you want to say? To what do I have to do to keep moving towards the thing that I want?" Because what I have isn't enough. And the people around Jesus would have, would have kind of been, probably some of them appalled because this man was kind of the enemy to many of them. And some of them would have been starstruck. And others of them would have been shocked that this man didn't already have everything he needs. He's coming to Jesus, this, um, this religious leader who was more than religion. And he says, what do I have to do? And, and Jesus says... Sell all your crap. Get rid of it. Um, and, and you know, if you look at the context, it wasn't sell all your crap so that, um, so that you can prove 
that you're worthy of following me. That was never the heart. It was, you have put your hope in the wrong thing. You have collected stuff. And what you have collected not only didn't give you what you thought it would give you, but it's keeping you from it. I think about it a lot when I go out into my garage and I line up my third cordless drill next to the next the other one and I think I wonder if I'm the rich young guy I wonder at some level if the things I have not only aren't filling the void that I'm looking for in my life but are actually keeping me from the joy the hope the peace that they're in the way it's funny, you know, Jesus never imposed himself on anyone. He never, um, he never forced himself on anyone. Neither does God, by the way. Um, and so, you know what happened in that story? Some people think it's, it's sad. I think I'm grown to respect it even more. Um, the man walked away and Jesus didn't chase him. <laughs> he didn't try to convince him. He didn't tell him another story. Um, because Jesus allows people to have their space. Um, and God does too. There's this sense of um, allowing you to work it out yourself. It's an amazing story. And it, it, it just dispels this lie that that he who dies with the most toys wins. It all goes to the same place in the end. And in the end, you lay and never want your toys to surround you. You want your family and loved ones to surround you. So the third lie is is my favorite one, and I hear it a lot. Um, and I think I've probably said it a lot, and it's this, that I got to get my piece of the pie. You know what I mean? That that there is this sense when it comes to stuff, when it comes to to the just the goods in life, the houses, the cars, the toys, the finances, the 401ks, that I got to get my piece of the pie. And in that analogy, is it's so loaded with beliefs. You know, people who would say they don't believe anything are telling you something when they say they have to get their piece of the pie. What they're saying is they believe that there is a finite amount of pie and that they have to get what they're due inside the pie because if they don't get their part of the pie, someone else will get their part of the pie and there's not enough pie then for them to get what they need. So what they're saying is they believe that there is a finite amount of pie and if they don't quickly get theirs, someone else will. What a terrible way to live their life. What an awful way to pursue the holidays or to pursue life for that matter. Reminds me of a game I loved as a kid, Hungry Hungry Hippos. Um, If you're old enough to remember, this was a game where you had these little paddles. Four people would sit around this little, I don't know, little ice skating rink looking thing. and, And you had these hippopotamus mouths that would like go out and get these marbles that were dropped in the middle and you would hit this little paddle and it would open the mouth of the hippopotamus and kind of stretch it out and suck in the marble so that it was yours it was like every time you hit this little paddle 
the hippopotamus would say, that's mine. And it would grab it and suck the, the marble back in. And it, uh, to be honest, I, the older I get, the more I feel like the grownups in my life, many of them, including myself at times, are playing a grown-up game of hungry, hungry hippos. Like we believe all the marbles are out in front of us, and if I don't get mine right now, you're going to get the one that was supposed to be mine. And so I can't be happy that you found something. I can't be happy that you were given something. I can't be happy and be happy that fortune came your way. Because if you got something, that means that was something I probably should have gone after or gotten. And I don't have as many marbles as I should have. It's a posture that will kill you. It will destroy your joy and your hope. And as as I close out these three things about plenty, I want to read you this story from the life of Jesus, recorded by four different people. Um, and then stories after stories after stories told around this incident that happened. Um, incredible story where Jesus, again, had a whole bunch of people following him. And it, it was in the midst of him saying the kinds of things that we just talked about, and also in the midst of him doing some some healing and doing some things with people. And, 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 and this great crowd of people follow, were following him, and it became clear that they were hungry. I don't know, maybe it's because they'd followed him a couple days, but the truth is the kind of people that followed Jesus were often hungry people. And Jesus saw this great crowd and he says to one of his disciples, hey, um, we need to feed these people. Now, the, the people who saw this and recorded it all say that there were around 5,000 men. Um, and that's the way they recorded stories like this at that time. 5,000 men probably meant maybe close to seven, eight, ten thousand 10,000 with women and children. Um, you know, at least 5,000, probably between five and 10,000 people. And Jesus looks at one of his disciples and says, hey, we got to feed all these people. And you're not ordering dominoes, you know, like, how, how do we do this? So he looks at Philip and Philip says, you know, it would take like a half a year's wages just to buy enough food for every single person to have one bite. Which is Philip saying, there's not enough marbles. Like, we don't have enough money. And there's not enough food, and it's hopeless. Um, and then you probably know this story. Another of the disciples, um, Andrew, says, "Hey, I found this little guy with five small barley loaves of bread and a couple of fish." And he says, "I don't know how good that'll do with all these people, but that's all there is." And Jesus, in that moment uses a word that I just think is really intentional. And it's recorded in the book of Luke, verse 6. Jesus says, when, when, when Andrew saw this little boy with five loaves of bread and a couple fish, um, he says, that's all we have. And Jesus says, have, have all the people sit down. And then Luke says, there was plenty of grass in that place. And it was like this foreshadowing moment of Jesus looking at 
a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish and saying, there's plenty here. Like, there's, there's enough. In fact, there's more than enough here. Jesus then, he, he took the loaves. He prayed over it in front of all these people. And remember, 5,000 people can't see all this happening at one time. So it's being told back to them, back, back through the crowd. And he distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. <laughs> and he did the same with the fish. And when they had all that they wanted to eat, I mean, these are hungry people. A lot of them probably hungry for weeks. Had all that they wanted. When they had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, get all the pieces that are left and put them in baskets. And why would he do that? Like everybody had had enough. The miracle's over, right? Miracle's over. Everybody got their food. This is an amazing thing. It's a crazy story. This little kid had this bread and this fish, and the miracle's over. Everybody got to eat. Miracle's not over. The story's not over. Jesus' point is not over. They gathered the leftover pieces and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over. And all of these baskets were filled and sitting in front of people. And the stories that were told weren't, and we all had enough to eat. They all, when everybody told this story, they would have ended with, and there was plenty. There was so much that there were leftovers. See, this Jesus was tapping into something that seemed infinite. There was something in this miracle that told the people that this is not a big game of hungry, hungry hippos. The person in charge of the marbles has an infinite amount of them. I love this story. It was this story and a couple others like it that got Jesus killed. Religious leaders couldn't tolerate a man who could mobilize this kind of uh, group of people for any reason. But it was this kind of story that began to change the way people lived their life. It began to, you know, if you were there that day amongst those 5,000 and you were a family, you walked away at some point back to your home, back to your town, and it would have taken days probably to get there, and you would have had a conversation about this for the rest of your life. You would have sat around campfires telling the story of Jesus when you were hungry, and he fed you not just what he had, not just whatever he could find, but enough that you were full and you could look at baskets full left over. It would have changed the way parents raised their kids. It would have changed what they believed about what was available to them in life. I don't know what you're going to get from this today. But may you find what you're really looking for. May you, this holiday season, um, pause. <laughs> what if you got a group of 10 of your friends and family around, or a group of the people that you celebrate the holidays with, and you said, hey, this statistic I just heard, 7 out of 10 people would, uh, would forego gifts for Christmas. How do you guys feel about that? 
could we do it differently? Could we do one gift a piece? Could we do, could, could we have an experience together? Could we do something other than just give each other crap that marketing tells us we should sell? We should give each other. Try it. It'll get you closer to what you're looking for, I think. This holiday season, would you pursue less toys and more joy? And <laughs> would you find the perspective to relax and realize that the pie is unlimited? That the hungry, hungry hippos creator has more marbles than you'll ever need. And may you have a holiday season with plenty. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.